Hey there, as the Bigger Pockets Podcast Network grows, we're always on the lookout for talented people who think they have what it takes to co-host a show. Is that you? Do you want to be just like me? Well, you can make a submission to our system at biggerpockets.com slash talent so we can get to know you. That's biggerpockets.com slash talent. You'll see a few questions and a place to submit a video reel. Again, that's biggerpockets.com slash talent if you'd like to lend your voice to the growing Bigger Pockets podcast network. Welcome to the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast, show number 260, Finance Friday edition, where Scott and I talk to Madison about too many great options. So it's kind of like, what kind of ROI are we going to get on which routes? And I think that we have so many opportunities and possibilities, but for me, it's which direction we want to go and studying it and understanding those directions is where I'm kind of at my crossroads right now. Hello, hello, hello. My name is Mindy Jensen. And with me as always is my most charming smile award-winning co-host, Scott Trench. That's right. Co-host of the Bigger Pockets Money podcast and five times winner of the most charming smile award. And I don't like to talk about that. <laughs> Scott and I are here to make financial independence less scary, less just for somebody else, to introduce you to every money story because we truly believe financial freedom is attainable for everyone, no matter when or where you're starting. That's right. Whether you want to retire early and travel the world, go on to make big time investments in assets like real estate, start your own business, or choose from all of the above as options. We'll help you reach your financial goals and get money out of the way so you can launch yourself towards those dreams. Scott, I love today's show. Madison and her husband earn a super awesome income and they want to start investing for their future. They want to have a very high net worth and they've, they've got a great net worth right now at age 30, but they want to grow it. So they are trying to decide between 412 amazing options. Yeah, I, I mean, I think what came out of... We, we actually ended up having a great discussion today. I think a really fun episode with all of this kind of stuff. And then ended up to say, saying, you know what? I, I don't think that Madison and her husband are clear yet on what they want out of their lives over the next couple of years. And that dictates what you do with your money and what financial approach you want to take with this kind of stuff. And so I think we, you know, as the discussion evolved, we could talk about ways of like, hey, if you want to work for 10, 20, 30 years, you do it this way and that's fine. If you want to retire in three to five years, you got to do it this other way. And there's trade-offs and consequences of that. If you want something in the middle, there's a third, there's, there's other approaches there, but it's what do you want and how does you, how do you develop a financial plan and a financial, um, a, you know, a financial approach that gets you towards what you want and determining what you want, I think is, is maybe the hardest part. So I, I, yep. I think it was a really valuable episode. End of the day, um, Madison, we're going to invite her and her husband to come back on the show um, sometime in early 2022 after they've done a little bit more vision work and kind of have a little bit more clarity in their long-term goals. Before we bring in Madison, now we have to hear a note from my attorney who says the contents of this podcast are informational in nature and are not legal or tax advice. And neither Scott nor I nor Bigger Pockets is engaged in the provision of legal, tax, or any other advice. You should seek your own advice from professional advisors, including lawyers and accountants, regarding the legal, tax, and financial implications of any financial decision you contemplate. 
Remember when you had to pay to get a lead's phone number? It was like the dark ages. Until Deal Machine made skip tracing a thing of the past. Now, with your Deal Machine plan, you'll get unlimited access to phone numbers and contact information for no extra cost. That's right, get high quality, reliable information trusted by leading financial institutions, all fully compliant with the federal do not call list. Explore over 150 data points, including age, gender, marital status, occupation, and a ton more. Trust me, this is the data you need for off-market deals. With new filters, people flags, and color-coded phone numbers, lead management just got a ton easier. Ready to step up your investing game? Sign up for a Deal Machine plan today and gain immediate access to this unlimited treasure trove of contact information and phone numbers. Just head to dealmachine.com BP. Transform your lead generation and deal-making strategies with Deal Machine. Sign up today and start exploring the unlimited possibilities at dealmachine.com BP. This show is sponsored by Airbnb. Did you know that I turned one of my first homes into an Airbnb? It's true. And it even helped me get the extra income I needed to launch my real estate career. So if you want to try your hand at making even more income with your property, Airbnb is the place to be. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. When it comes to financial guidance, you got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When Mindy and I want to upgrade our wallets, we turn to NerdWallet. Scott's right. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, Mindy and I were paying for vacations in cash, missing out on miles, and not even knowing what we're leaving on the table. But now we're flying through the skies for free, thanks to our new cards with more miles and upgrades than ever. So if you want more travel rewards, hotel upgrades, or airport lounge access, no matter where you go next, let NerdWallet help you make it happen with a killer travel card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval, and terms of each credit card issuer apply. Madison had been living in a super high cost of living area, the San Francisco Bay Area, but she and her husband just got new jobs and moved to Texas. They're looking for advice for maximizing investment returns and focusing on long-term goals rather than short-term whims. They'd also like to be financially independent tomorrow, but wouldn't we all? Madison, welcome to the Bigger Pockets Money Podcast. I'm so excited to talk to you today. Me too. Thank you for having me. So you have a bit of a big change coming up because the San Francisco Bay Area is a little bit different than Texas. Yes. <laughs> yes. We decided to move out of state, um, out of California and, and take an adventure to Texas. Well, Texas will be. And what, what prompted that move? Uh, cost of living, mostly. Um, we get... Uh, paid a good salary here. Um, but the cost, we have one two-year-old and we have a baby on the way. So um, the cost of living plus with children, um, it was adding up. And so we were, um, yeah, eager for a new adventure and thought that we would have, a, I don't know, more financial freedom elsewhere right now for us. Yes, you will. Uh, San Francisco is very, very expensive. And congratulations on the baby on the way. Yay, babies. We love babies. Um, <laughs> okay. So moving to Texas, you're going to take a bit of a pay cut? Um, we are not going to be taking a pay cut. We were planning on potentially taking a pay cut. We were trying to keep it um, no less than 10% of a cut. But we were fortunate enough to find um, opportunities that we will be getting paid um, the same. Okay, so you're making San Francisco money and living in Texas. 
I see a bright financial future. Uh, wait, let me look into my crystal ball. I see a bright financial future for you. <laughs> okay. <so. laughs> well, let's jump into those numbers. What is your monthly salary? Yeah, our monthly salary. So this is joint um, take home for both my husband and I is around $12,000 a month. Okay. Um, and what does take home mean? Is that after just taxes or is that after taxes and health insurance and 401k contributions and that sort of thing? Correct. All of the above. So after 401k, after our FSA, our medical, and then taxes. Wow. Okay. That's great. So we're looking at somewhere north of like 200, 250 in, in combined total Correct. salaries, right? Correct. Before mm -hmm. for all that. Awesome. So um, anything else? On the income front? Um, no, that is our income. No other side hustles or anything. Okay, great. And, and um, any any like annual bonuses, stock options, things oh, like that? Yes. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, we do have annual bonuses um, and take-home annual bonuses are around 12000 annual. Okay, great. And what do you guys do? Yeah, so both my husband and I work at the same company. We actually... Uh, work at a general contractor here in the Bay Area. Okay, great. Um, and then where do you, where is that money going? And maybe um, it'd be good to get a quick kind of idea about where it's going today and where it will be going post-move or what you kind of anticipate post-move. Yeah, so we, um, so we do, we max out our 401k and then obviously that was included in what I shared with our income. Um, and then the first thing we do is we pay ourselves. So we max out our IRAs. Um, we have a brokerage account that we put some money in each month. Um, and then we have a 529. Uh, we do some in crypto. And then we also save um, about, let's see, what is it? 900 a month in our just personal savings. And then after that, it's our you know, expenses. So rent, childcare, um, insurances, and then our variable costs, um, our, I, we call them essential variable costs and then our non-essential variable costs. So, um, the rest kind of goes there and then anything remaining, we'll just put back into our savings. I, I love the pay yourself first concept. How much, how much do you, do you, would you say that you put into the pay it yourself first? Yeah. Annually, um, so what we've been doing, what we're tracking for 2021 is about uh, 30, let's see, 35,000. Awesome. And then what, what do you expect that to change to with the move? Oh, that's a good question. So we're still, since the move is so fresh right now, we're still kind of um, breaking down our, our budget and our spreadsheets of what that new cost of living is going to be like in Texas. Um, we haven't really gotten all the numbers detailed yet out yet, but, um, we'll probably be figuring that out. I'm hoping it goes up quite a bit, <laughs> at least 10 grand <laughs> or more <laughs> per year. Um, but something I still need to kind of jump through. Well, let's, let's dive into a couple of the big ones. What was you, what were you paying for housing previously and what we'd be paying? Post okay. So for rent right now, we pay 2,900 a month and our estimated mortgage, um, Post move will be twenty six hundred a month. Okay, so that'll be cheaper from a cash outlay basis. You'll have some maintenance. You'll have to Correct. assume on top of that, um, you'll begin building equity and all that kind of good Correct. stuff. Yeah. Is it more square footage? It is. 
it's double square footage. <laughs> yeah, that's always that's always pretty nice. So the two bathrooms was huge when uh, 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 for me. <laughs> <laughs> we moved out of the house hack a few years ago. Um, actually, we have two and a half yes. now. Very luxurious. Um, what uh, what what are some other ones? Like you said, you mentioned childcare. Do you expect that to change? Yeah, that should be um, more than half um, of a decrease. So right now we pay um, with our FSA, we pay about eighteen hundred dollars a month, um, and we'll, we're looking to pay about a thousand a month or less per child there. Okay, awesome. So it'll actually be. You actually pay more in childcare shortly because you have another another one on the way, but but in the short run it'll be cheaper by about eight hundred bucks. Yeah, a month. but that that was about per child here, so eighteen hundred a month per child here versus one thousand there. Yep, that makes that makes sense. Um, what about um any any other items that you expect to change meaningfully with the move? So I know like um, groceries goes down. Uh, we're actually going to be getting um, a car, one car with our new company, so we won't have any of the maintenance um, or car payments for that. And then gas, we get gas cards with both of our new jobs um, in Dallas, which we don't have currently here, so we won't have any gas expenses. Um, which is very high in California right now and increasing. Um, so that will be helpful. Um, other than that, I, I think, you know, we probably could cut out some fat elsewhere, but I think the other buckets of money, what we have, it will probably decrease by, you know, tens of dollars um, just living in Texas, just being cheaper. Um, but I don't know if you know, how much that will decrease by. Okay. So, well, well, I think this is interesting, right? You think, oh, I'm moving from San Francisco to Texas. There's going to be a huge decrease in savings. What we're finding is one, well, the, bi the biggest thing is there's a big, uh, what I would imagine is going to be a quality of life improvement. Um, you probably get, you probably get a really nice neighborhood and a really huge house um, for less than what you're paying previously. And as an owner with that. Um, um, so that's a pretty big improvement on the childcare front. We would have saved $800 a month, give or take. Um, but because there's a second, per, a second child on the way, that's going to actually go up uh, or stay about the same with that. The income stayed flat um, with the move uh, on, on that front. And it's pretty interesting to think, oh, you actually have to get a car now um, because most cities um, that are not probably New York uh, or San Francisco – um, it's probably a good thing to have at least one car for a family with this, with this kind of stuff. That's not, so, that's not something I usually consider, um, when, when talking to folks, but I'm always reminded of when I, you know, hear about folks who live in places like New York or San Francisco. So really interesting to hear those kinds of puts and takes. And all told, you think you're going to, you're going to save about 35 to $45,000 per year in this, through this, these pay it your surf yourself first mechanisms that we just articulated. Yeah, that sounds about right. Okay, awesome. And then where are your assets and liabilities today? Yeah, so we have, let's see. So um, we've been saving for our, our down payment for uh, quite a while. Um, and so currently that's about 16%, but with closing on the house, that's gonna all go to that down payment. Um, we have about 65% of our net worth in our 401k. Um, and then, um, let's see, 
we have a little bit in crypto um, and then our IRAs and um, brokerage accounts in 529, we have about, let's see, I think that's about 15% of our, um, of our assets there. Also, and, and, and where would you peg that net worth at? Yeah, we're looking at like 640000 right now. Okay, so 640000 the lion's share is going to be in the home equity down payment and um, uh, various retirement accounts. Correct, yeah. That. Our 401k is um, a good majority of that. Okay, great. Um, what is the best way we can help you from this position? Yeah, I think... Um, <laughs> Um, our expenses seems very high currently. Um, we pay right now our expenses, our fixed plus our variable expenses are about 9,500 a month. Um, you live which, in San Francisco. <laughs> that They're is true, <laughs> but I do like to shop. <laughs> well, stop. Um, yeah, I know I need to stop. <laughs> um, so I think like, you know, when cutting out the fat a little bit um, and having clear, um, we're really good at having short-term goals of like, you know, we want to have X amount for a down payment or we want to have X amount in our 529 or, you know, setting aside, paying ourselves first um, each week or each month. But our longer-term goals, um, I feel like me, maybe me personally, I struggle with conceptualizing that. Um, I'm a very competitive person. I want things done now. Um, and when, you know, the financial game, I feel like is very much of a long-term kind of game. Um, and so sometimes I struggle with that. So I guess my, one of my questions would be, um, like if you were in our shoe in my, me and my husband's shoes, how would you go about, um, creating a longer term goal, um, for that financial freedom down the road, like retirement. Okay, Scott, I'm going to jump in here. I have a couple of things to say. So what does long-term mean to you? Is that 10 years? Is that, because you're 30, 31, 32? 31. Okay, yeah. so 31, are you talking about at age 40, age 50, traditional retirement age of 65? Yeah, I think... Oh, that's a good question. <laughs> I mean, longer term, 65 for sure. Um, but even I would say like 20 years from now. Okay. So at age 50, you mm -hmm. want to be retired. At age 31 in one day, you want to be retired, but that's probably not going to happen. Um, mm -hmm. But we're working on it. So in 20 years, you want to be retired. Do you want to be retired in 10 years? That's the thing. I don't know. I, I enjoy working. I enjoy what I do. Um, I know my husband does not want to retire early. Like he really enjoys working and he, that's who he is. He's all about work. <laughs> and I, I love that about him. For me, on the other hand, um, you know, I, I don't know. I would be open to not retiring early if the, the financial gains at the end and I could leave like my, my kids more money than I would not, but um, I also, you know, want to enjoy that time and maybe retire early. So that's, I struggle with that. I honestly, I struggle with, you know, I'm not sure what, what I'll be like in the, at that time. Um, I want all the money now <laughs> and <laughs> then I can make my decision. Um, but okay, that's not how it easy. works. <laughs> um, I am hearing that you and your husband have slightly different 
outlooks on your working life. And that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that you can't retire early. My husband doesn't have a job. He's retired and I still have a job and that's okay. But we've talked about it. He worked mm-hmm. for a long time while I stayed home with the kids. Mm-hmm. And now I want to work. I'm, you know, I've got this amazing job and I, I get to work. I get mm-hmm. to do this thing. And it is, you know, there's nothing wrong with enjoying your job. I think that you and your husband need to sit down and listen to episode 157, where Scott and I talk about having a money date. And it's a no confrontation money date. It's just, hey, what do you want to do in five years? Or mm-hmm. if we had $12 million, we won $12 million, how would you spend the next month? Mm-hmm. Oh, I'd like to go on vacation. Great. Let's plan a vacation for next year. What would your vacation look like? Oh, well, you know, if money was no object, I'd love to sit on the beach. I'd love to travel around the world. I'd love to, you know, whatever it is that you guys want to do, start looking at things like that. And then while you're on that vacation, talk about, you know, if we were both retired, this is something we could do Mm -hmm. all the time, or this is something we could do more frequently, or, hey, this is nice every once in a while, but I don't want to be on the beach all day long. I want to go back to work. I enjoy creating and you know, furthering my career and, you know, building things and and whatever. But having the conversation is really, really helpful to seeing what you want. In 10 years, if you don't want to have a job, then work towards not having a job. And what does that look like? You're financially independent. What does that look like? Are you, uh, you know, do you have a financial independence number? Have you sat down and said, we spend $9,500 a month. So that means, Scott, do the math quickly. We need $120,000 a year. I did that myself. (laughs) Um, (laughs) $119,000 a year. That means, oh, now you do the math times 25. Scott, what is that? Quick, quick, quick. 120 times 25, that's 3 million. million. So now you have 640,000. You have a goal now of 3 Mm. million. But if you start living in Texas and you realize that you're only spending $6,500 a month without giving anything up, you don't have to give up anything. You're 31 years old. $3 million is pretty realistic in your lifetime. Mm-hmm. $3 million by age 40 is going to take a little bit more work. Scott, do the doubling for me at 640 in eight years. That'll be uh, $1.28 million. And in, what was that, eight? So in 16 years, that'll be... A little over 2.5. So 2.5 million in 16 years if you Mm -hmm. don't contribute anything else to your 401k, assuming a 10% Mm -hmm. return, past performance is not indicative of future gains, all those disclaimers. But you have a very real chance of getting to $3 million within 20 years. So in Mm -hmm. 50, at age 50, you'll have the money to retire. Yeah. Let's... Bump that up a little bit by putting more money in or investing in cash flowing assets or creating passive income or, you know, other things that we can do to, you said you worked at a general contractor, like a, a building general mm-hmm. contractor? Yeah, commercial building. Okay. So there's opportunities <laughs> for real estate investment. I don't know if you know that, but. Yes, that was Texas another a good market. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Look, I, I'm just hearing you say with all this that. You, you don't really know what you want. You, you, you don't really have like a, a, a plan or like a thought process for 
three to five years out Which right is okay. Now, you kind of have some ideas for 10 to 20 years out. And, and like Mindy's just said, that's okay. You guys are doing great. You're an, an incredible income. You pay yourself first. You have a number of investments. You just made a move to what, what sounds like dramatically improve your lifestyle with all this kind of stuff. You got another family member on the way. Like you're winning. Life, life has got to be pretty good. <laughs> I, I, w- I would imagine or, or go, go, a lot of things going right for, to a general sense. Is, is that how you're feeling? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Right I think my husband and I, when, when we met, we started our, you know, uh, money journey or financial journey together. Um, so we have a lot of learning to do. Um, and I feel like right now we have kind of the world at our fingertips and we have so many possibilities and opportunities ahead of us. And it's just now, um, diving into that, you know, which direction do we want to go and what's going to be best for our family. Um, so yeah, is it like, um, buying rental properties next? Um, that's really big. My brother is into rental properties. He has a brother that has six rental properties and he's, you know, 27 years old. Um, so is that something that we want to dive into or is it something, you know, uh, my husband has been studying the stock market a lot. Do we want to jump into more of the stock market? Um, so it's kind of like what kind of ROI are we going to get on which routes? And I think that we have so many opportunities and possibilities, but for me, it's which direction we want to go and studying it and understanding those directions is where I'm kind of at my crossroads right now. So, yeah, I I think that's what it comes down to. It's what, what do you want? And you, and you got to stop, start with life and then map the finances to Mm -hmm. that. Right. Um, like, because because you're, otherwise you're going to get what I want <laughs> um, instead of what you want or whatever with that's that right true. so that, that that's I think that's where you have to start with and that money date on on episode 157 that Mindy referred to that's a, a good place to start and this is this kind of like um, kind of cheesy vision stuff that I think can be really helpful with that like what do I want like what's a perfect day for me in three to five mm-hmm. years. Right. My kids will be this old. What do I want to do? I want to wake up and do this. I want to do I want to go. I want to go to work. I want to do this. I want my kids to be like uh, behaving or achieving or having fun like this or whatever it is that that I'm looking for. Like this is this is how I want to do vacations. This is how I want to do Christmas. This is how I want to do my career. This is the impact that I want to have. These are the, the things that I want to be doing on a regular basis with that. And from there, you can map into mm-hmm. that, right? If you're saying, because if, if, if I'm, and, and it, it depends, there's no right answer to that. But if you're saying, no, I, w- I want to continue advancing, me and my husband both want to continue advancing our careers um, for the next 10 to 15 years um, and kind of push that as far as we can go with that while having, you know, some sort of the, the, the balance that we like with our, with our family, then I wouldn't change essentially anything that you're doing right now, you know, not, not in a big way with that. We can always argue the Roth versus the 401k, which is always fun. <laughs> um, but, but I, but I, I think, I, I think you're doing it right, right? You're, you're, you're piling up a bunch of money. You pay yourself first. You're saving well over 10% of your income. You're going to be rich. Um, and you're going to have a plentiful retirement most likely, um, when it's all said and done, because you have two strong income earners, um, that, that, that are, that are working full time and bringing in, a, a great income with that. That leads to a more passive potential investment approach. And like many said, even without further contributions, you've got a good chance of being worth two and a half to three, three and a half million inside of 20 years, probably much more if you, because you, you, you'll continue to contribute, of course, there. And like, you can still go shopping and do all this kind of stuff. You don't need to control those expenses. But if you're like, no, I want to, 
I, I want to stop working for a period of years in this and, 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 and go that way. Okay, now we've got to shift those assets away from what is right now disproportionately um, a position that's that's got a, a huge you're, – you're disproportionately skewed towards retirement accounts and home mm-hmm. equity, or you will be with this approach um, over the next five to ten years, and you will have very little in the way of funds that you can actually spend or, or use to start businesses or – by real estate and that kind of stuff with your current savings mm-hmm. approach. So it just depends on what you want and how you want to go about that. Um, do you have an inkling with that or do you have a direction you could kind of yeah, see? Yeah, after you mentioning that, I definitely see myself working and advancing my career for the next 15 years, at least 15, 20 years. Um, I, I'm in a very good spot. You know, my husband and I are both project managers. And so um, we, we love what we do. And so I, I don't foresee myself taking any time off as of right now, um, you know, we definitely want to, I want to advance my career as much as he does as well. Um, so with that said, I think, you know, like you said, we're going to continue to invest in ourselves, invest, you know, putting, maxing out our 401ks, um, and in living a, a lifestyle that is, um, is good and what we like. Um, but it's where are we going to start since we've been saving up for the down payment and buying our first home. Now, what can we be saving up for? Is it a rental property? Is it, um, you know, do, do you suggest paying down a majority of our, of our primary residence? Um, it's kind of like our next step is kind of unclear right now because we just accomplished our first goal of buying that first home. So now it's like, okay, we're going to be making this money. We're going to be in a lower cost of living. What's our next step going to be? Yeah. So here's why I don't like rental property investing. Not not to say you can't, but here's why I would steer you away from rental property investing in your situation with this. Um, With rental property investing to get started in it, um, I think you need to invest 500 hours at least in learning about this kind of stuff, books, podcasts, networking, YouTube, blogs, whatever it is that to, to feel comfortable with it. There's so many mental models about how to screen a tenant, how to pick the property in the right area, how to think about cash flow versus appreciation and those trade-offs, how to estimate all the expenses and those different types of things, how to get comfortable hiring contractors or property managers with that kind of stuff. You guys are working professionals and your, your goal is to crush it in that career for the next 10 to 15 years, Right. That is that means that the opportunity cost. Let's let's say that you guys uh, each earn one hundred and fifty thousand dollars annualized with that. That means your time is worth seventy five bucks an hour um, each with that. So to get that five hundred dollar investment, that's a that's a pretty significant investment. It's like thirty thirty five thousand something like that. Thirty five thousand dollars in opportunity Mm -hmm. cost that you could be plowing back into your career um, or some of these other things that that you're more excited about. And then if you buy a rental property, let's say you buy a $250,000 property that rents for $1,900 and with a mortgage of $1,300. I'm making these numbers up. I don't know how Texas would work with that. Maybe you're getting a $300 per month cash mm-hmm. flow, right? Well, you guys bring in $30,000 a month or $25,000 a month. So you would need to stack up 100 of those um, before you're bringing in equivalent income to your salaries mm-hmm. with that. And so the only way to make a investment that's meaningful enough um, relative to your income, I think, is you're going to have to take on a tremendous amount of leverage or really go all in on real estate one after the other over a prolonged period of time. And so not to say you can't do it. I just think in, in your situation, that's a big opportunity cost 
considering that you're most likely going to get rich going the the more passive route here. Um, not to, and not to say real estate's out, but I think that um, passive real estate, or you know, as a combination with stocks or something like that, might be an alternative if you still like the asset class of real estate and like learning about and thinking about investing mm-hmm. with that. But I'll, I'll let you react to that. Yeah, I, I guess like I'm a little shocked. Um, uh, it's something that we're definitely interested in. Um, we are even thinking our first home could be turned around in about two or three years, and we, you know use this as a rental property down the road and then we go to our next home. Um, that could yeah, be good. as an option. We are also looking into duplexes, but there wasn't uh, anything that we found that was a good fit for us in the Dallas area. Um, yeah, so I guess it is something that we're interested in. So I, I get what you're saying is as long as it's kind of our passive, like our kind of a side thing is what you're saying, correct? It, it will, it, it will not. I think you will take on a lot more risk or you will sacrifice a lot of return if it is actually passive oh, okay. in the first couple of years of getting started, right? It. Like it can get passive and it should at some point with that. It's, it's always a, it's a, it's a sliding scale. It's a semi-passive mm-hmm. business, but it is an active pursuit, I think, to learn what you need to learn to get started mm-hmm. and make a quality decision on this kind of stuff um, to, to get in, in general, to give yourself the best odds of success yeah. with it. And I'm just challenging whether you, you guys, given your profile, may want to make that yeah. investment. It may not be worthwhile because you have to invest so much for it to be meaningful um, compared to the hundreds of thousands of dollars that you're able to just sock away in these 401ks um, with that. I mean, how, how, it sounds like you have three hundred dollars to $350,000 in these 401ks and other investments. Yeah, like our joint 401k, we have about 420000 currently. Um, and then our IRAs, we have, uh, let's see, we have about 85, 86,000. So we have a good pile up, but they, you know, they max out. So that extra cash that we're saving, you know, we were putting a lot of it down for a down payment. Um, but now it's like we have that house now. So now where are we going to invest, um, and try to get more return on that investment? What if I told you that I, Mindy Jensen, the queen of budgeting, the personal finance fanatic, sometimes forgot to cancel my subscriptions? I know, it's horrible. $10 here, $15 there. My useless subscription bills could have taken my whole family out to dinner multiple times. Rocket Money can make all that subscription sadness suddenly vanish. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. You can see all your subscriptions in one place and cancel money-sucking subscriptions with a tap. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash bpmoney. That's rocketmoney.com slash bpmoney. Rocketmoney.com slash bpmoney. Real estate investing is great, but for some, the tenant phone calls and clogged toilets aren't all that attractive. So 
How do you invest in real estate without getting your hands dirty? Invest for truly passive income with Pine Financial Group. Pine's mortgage fund offers an 8% preferred return and an attractive profit split, with 70% of profits going to the investors. You'll earn passive income by participating in lending to house flippers. And it's secure because senior lien holders, that's you, get paid first. Their rigorous underwriting process and the backing of the physical asset provide additional security in case of borrower default. Plus, by investing with Pine Financial Group, you contribute to the revitalization of communities by redirecting your funds from Wall Street to Main Street, supporting local economies and generating profits simultaneously. This investment is reserved for accredited investors, but if you are not accredited, Pine Financial has options for you too. Don't miss this opportunity to back Main Street over Wall Street and start earning passive real estate income. Learn more about investing with Pine at pinefinancialgroup.com BP. That's pinefinancialgroup.com BP. Saving for a down payment, a wedding, or just looking for extra money to invest? Monarch Money turns your budgeting woes into wins. That's why the Wall Street Journal named it the best budgeting app overall. Monarch is the top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash pockets. Monarch's simple, intuitive design makes it easy to manage your money like a pro. Add a partner or family member to your account for no extra cost, so combined finances become a breeze. Customize your budgets and notifications, set up automatic rules for transactions, and more. After trying out Monarch for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash pockets. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash pockets for your extended 30-day free trial. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Did you buy your current house with the intention of converting it into rental in the future? Was that a, 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 for, a forefront of the decision-making process? Uh, yes. So we looked at multiple homes that, you know, a forever home. And then we also looked at like a starter. Let's and let's live in it in a few years and then rent it out um, after a few years. So that was our intention with this home. And we actually got kind of our, our investment home style um, first right off. Great. That that's a, I think that's a really smart way to go about it. That's a good exit option um, that you've given yourself. You can probably live there for a while um, and enjoy the double square footage <laughs> from your old place, and um, hopefully one day sell it if prices go up, and then also keep it as a rental. Um, but that that those are, that's a three those are three good exit options I think for for that. Um, so I, I I can't argue with with that approach mm-hmm. with it, um, and the fact that you know the place and have lived there and probably have a few years to go and find a property manager. Yeah. That, that makes a lot of sense to me um, with that. And by the way, I don't want to say you can't invest in real estate. If you decide, hey, I want to go in real estate, we'll help you with that. Um, I just wanted to, to kind of say, 
for your 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 kind of profile is kind of the classic one that I'm like, eh, I don't know if real estate is exactly the right choice for you know a couple earning three hundred thousand dollars a year, working full time with two small kids um, to get started in um, because you know the and your goal is financial freedom in 15, 20 years, you know, Longer. real estate, the, the, the real estate's a really good option for somebody who's trying to get to financial freedom in seven mm. to 10 years with that, willing to use a leverage work, fix up a couple of things themselves the first couple of times, mm. pa- make it passive over time, invest those couple hundred hours um, that you can still do it um, with that. But I would think you just want to be shooting for a bigger portfolio. Of, you know, of, if you're saying, I want to get to seven to $10 million in net worth in the next 10 years, then working this job and going into real estate makes a lot of sense to me. Um, you could certainly have a chance at, at doing something like that. Got it. So I get, I mean, <laughs> uh, you're too rich to invest in real estate. <laughs> I don't think that at all. Um, it's funny to hear you say that. And I, I appreciate that. I mean, we've worked really hard and I'm proud of where we've come from and, and where we are currently. Um, but my mind goes, I'm, I feel like I'm challenging a little bit, you a little bit, because I, I would like to get your advice on, you know, yeah, seven to 10 years, having seven to $10 million sounds fantastic. And that's what I want, you know, um, I want to. Great. So, so those are the things I, I want to learn about, I want to do. And so does my husband. Um, and that's, you know, we, we don't know what we don't know. Right. So having these conversations is super beneficial um, in why I'm here. So if you, I guess, if you two were in our shoes with the income that we're making, with the decisions that we've made of leaving California and moving to Texas, what would be your next steps? Well, first... With the goal of getting to 7 to $10 million in the next 5 to 7, seven, seven to 10 years. Yeah, 10 years. Let's call it 10 years. Okay, that was that one's fun. We can we okay. can work with that one. Uh, here <laughs> yeah. As well, well, you've already saved yourself a ton of money. We didn't even mention this, but Texas has no state income tax, whereas California um, does. Correct. And so you just gave yourself a whopping raise. I would take all of that money and put it into the stock market. Personally, this is what I would do. Okay. Um, you said that you have an after-tax brokerage account. Where are you putting that money? Are you individually stock picking, or are you putting it into index funds? index funds right now. Um, my husband and I have been studying a little bit more about picking stock options. Um, but we're, we're planning to roll that out. Um, we were going to do it December, but we pushed it out to March. I would say, read the book, The Simple Path to Wealth. Is it The Simple or A Simple? Either way, it's by J.L. Collins. Simple Path to Wealth. It is fantastic. And basically it is boiled down to invest in index funds and don't pick stocks. Oh. Um, but he fleshes it out into a book about this thick, which can be boiled down into invest in index funds and not individual stocks because the individual stocks can rise and fall. But mm-hmm. as the index goes up, all the stocks, like he says it better than I do, but the okay. it's hard to pick a good stock. You can get lucky by mm. doing a ton of investing. I'm sorry, a ton of research, research and, you know, really knowing whatever genre you are, technology, uh, what is it? Sector, not genre, sector. Uh, really knowing the sector that you're investing in, really knowing the specific company that you're investing in. That's a lot of the, the Scott mentioned 500 hours for real estate investing. This is more. Mm. Um, yeah. Or you can buy every single company in the whole index 
and be better. Yeah. Make a no, better return. Absolutely. There are very few people who are making better returns than the stock market. Um, I would, that's what I would do. I would put it into like all of my uh, income tax money is now going into the stock market. I would check my spending. And I'm only saying this because I recently have noticed that my spending is going insane. And also you mentioned that you like to spend money. So check, like, what are you really spending money on? I find that it's very interesting to be like, oh, healthcare was this much and childcare was this much and groceries. Yeah, yeah, that's probably right. But when you track every single penny, you find that, oh, groceries is way more than I thought it was. And gas is way more than I thought it was. And I'm, you know, I forgot about these things that I was not categorizing as groceries because I didn't buy them at the grocery store. But like Costco is groceries, but it's also oil changes and tires and like random weird stuff. So some of it gets categorized as groceries and some of it gets categorized as other things. I might just categorize it all as other things. And I'm not really honest with with my actual spending. And this is I'm a nerd. I love mm-hmm. like winning. I really mm-hmm. love winning. And this is another thing that you said you want to win. Get yourself a spending tracker on your mm-hmm. phone and track every penny for several months and be like, after you start tracking, you're like, oh, I have to put this in the spending tracker. I'm not going to buy this today. I wonder how low I can spend on gas this month. So I'm not going to fill my gas tank because it's the 30th. And I'm just going to plan all of my my uh, errands for next month. And you really start thinking about your money when you're trying to win. And the game is how little can I spend? Mm-hmm. And it's, like I said, I'm a huge nerd. Scott, you're going to argue with me and that's fine too. I'll give you a moment to argue with me. But, you know, that could be, I mean, you could very easily from your $9,500 in expenses, I think living in Texas, you could very easily cut 3000 out of that without feeling a pinch. Mm. And I think you could cut 4000 out of it if you wanted to tighten your belt just a pinch. Yeah. But if you really wanted to go whole hog, you could cut a lot out. And that's not saying that you have to all the time. But that could juice your after-tax uh, investments, and then all of a sudden next year you have seven million dollars. Yeah, I, look, there's there, you, you, let, let's reframe the goal as I want an all-out approach given my context to getting to north of five million dollars in the next five to seven years. I'm gonna I'm gonna call it that. That's 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 how I'm framing this. Um, there's four ways to do it. You can spend less, earn more, invest, or create. Right? Those are those are the four options that you've got. With that, your expenses, I think, are a good place to look um, because you're not generating enough after-tax cash uh, cash flow to make large investments at the pace that is rapid enough to get to that five million dollar mark inside of five to seven years. Like I said, you're going to get rich uh, over a ten to twenty year period, no problem with what what you just stated there if you keep on that career. But if we're revamping with the new aggressive goal, we mm-hmm. need to do that. I, I think Mindy's right. You probably have like two to three thousand dollars per month. And incremental savings that you can squeeze out um, by just getting some controls in in place and a budget a budget review, um, basic budgeting processes to and, and controls over over those expenses and working on a couple of those fixed expenses um, and and especially with that the, the next move you make with the um, in your housing um, with that and seeing if you can do some things there. So there, there's probably two to three thousand dollars in the next couple of months. There's probably maybe another five hundred to a thousand over the next year or two with that. But then you're going to be starting hitting hitting a floor where it's going to impact your life. Would be my guess um, in terms of that uh, of on the expense side. 
Okay. But that frees up. We've now got $30,000, 30 to $45,000 a year before those changes. And that might add in another $35,000 a year. So you have $70,000 to play with um, per year after you're maxing out your 401ks, your HSAs, and the other things you're, 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 you're doing with that. Um, you guys are probably, if you're both working full-time and given the income profile that you just described, are going to continue to get raises over the next couple of years with this. Um, so you're, you're probably going to see that number creep from 70 to 85,000 a year to a hundred thousand to $115,000 per year over the next five years kind of deal. So, okay. What do we, what do we do with that? That's a reasonable amount of cat, of free cash flow, And I'm probably even understating it a little bit based on what you were, um, based on what you were kind of describing about where your money goes there um, with that. You probably, you probably have somewhere in the ballpark of 70 to $100,000 a year. That's enough to make a meaningful real estate investment or two every year. And now you can begin building a portfolio. But again, because you guys each probably earn $150,000, this portfolio to be meaningful needs to generate like, like you need to buy a lot of real estate. Mm. Um, it can be a few large properties, or it can be a lot of small properties, but you need to be thinking a pretty big portfolio for it to be relevant um, to your current income um, with this. So Texas is probably a fine place to go, but if you're looking at $200,000 properties or $250,000 properties, you're probably going to need to buy two or three a year in the first couple of years and snowball that to five or six a year in the out years with that. Um, And that's going to be what do we just say? We bought, we have $500,000 in savings over the next five years that could purchase about $2 million in residential real estate in the Fort Worth. You're in Fort Worth, uh, right? It'll be Dallas. Dallas. Okay. In the, in the Dallas area, that seems like a pretty reasonable market. Um, as far as I can tell as an outside observer looking in, Texas has got a lot going for it right now. You've got high property taxes, um, and a couple other things, but like people are moving to Texas because they want to move to Texas and they don't want to be in the areas that they're coming from. You're a perfect example of that. So um, that's at least a pretty good fundamental starting point to think eh, there's something here um, for that. Of course, we, I'm a big Eagles fan, so I don't like the Cowboys. Um, I can never, I can never get down there. Um, okay, but that would get you. That would get you. You know, probably about. I don't know if I can get you to five to seven million on on the uh, on this front. Um. So that that would be an approach uh, to doing this. Why would you do that versus investing in the stock market? It's because you think you're going to get some sort of ROI that's in excess of what you could do passively. If you invest passively in the stock market, I like to assume a 10% rate of return. Now, some people will say that that is way too aggressive. Some people will say it's way too conservative. But I think when comparing stocks as an opportunity cost investment to real estate, it's a pretty reasonable one. So here's a framework about why, um, how real estate could be better. If I buy a, a, a property for $300,000 and in an average year, this is not an average year, I don't know what, what it will be like in the next couple of years, but in an average year, we see about 3% annual appreciation on that property. So we'll go from 300 thousand to $309,000 at 3% appreciation, usually about three and a half. So it's called 310,000. And I'll get cash flow on top of that investment. So on a $300,000 property, maybe you're getting um, $2,000 a month in rents and you have $700 a month in expenses, um, cash-free, debt-free without the mortgage. 
Um, and that brings you to $1,300 a month in cash flow. That could get you another maybe, I don't know, six, five to 6% in cash flow with that. So three plus five, 3% on appreciation and 5% from cash flow is only 8% return on your investment. That's worse than the stock market. And what you'll find, I think, is over long periods of time, unlevered real estate does worse than mm. stocks. But leveraged real estate is what helps you get that extra return. Because if, that, if I put down 20% or 60 grand, then that $10,000 or $9,000 return, that 3% appreciation on a $300,000 price point, boosts my return. It's a 15% return when I've put 20% down on a rental property, plus then the cash flow, right? The cash flow is partially offset by the mortgage payment, but I might get a 15% ROI on the appreciation front, and I might get 6 or 7% on the cash flow front. That's a 22% return. And then I'm also amortizing the loan, which adds in another couple of, uh, of points, right? And that is why real estate is more powerful than stock investing on this front with it. You get less cash flow at first, but at, over time, your rents increase, your mortgage payment um, stays, stays flat, the property price increases, and that's how you're able to compound these returns. Um, with that. If you're willing to balance that return and say, hey, great, I'm going to use leverage, but because I'm using leverage, I have to now operate the property very efficiently. I've got to spend that 500 hours learning how to screen tenants. I've got to learn which area of the market, why that part of the neighborhood is really good for investing and why that part is not. Um, whether short-term rentals are a good idea in this area versus that area to change that cash flow, whether I want to do rent by the room or another creative strategy in this part of town. Um, how to hire a property manager um, if, if I don't want to manage it myself, which I don't think you guys will because you need to buy a lot of real estate to supplement your um, uh, to be, to, for it to be relevant relative to your income mm -hmm. position. Um, all of those things can help you sustain that like that spread, maybe a 15 to 17 percent return on your investments versus the 10 percent average you might get in the stock market over a long period of time. But you first have to believe that you can get that and then second, be willing to put in that effort. And where I was kind of coming from is, and this is going back to calculus, and I'm probably going way over um, a lot of people who are listening's heads here, so I'm sorry because I'm going, I'm getting going here with this. But you know, if if I were to take that 10 years and say there's a spread between that, you know, that 17% return and the 10% you could get in the stock market with that, and are you willing to put in the work by making real estate your hobby uh, in a very big way over the next couple of years? in order to get that return. Well, that, that pile's gotta be pretty big. And so that's the point I'm trying to make with, with the real estate uh, investing piece on this is, yeah, it's it was 100% worth it for me to do real estate when I was making $50,000 a year and just getting started. It may not be worth it for you at $300,000 a year unless you badly want that five to $7 million position. And that brings me all the way back to, what do you want? Right. If that five to seven million bucks, uh, if you think you can can make that five to seven million bucks over five, seven, ten, twelve years in X, and there's a, that's a big enough spread, that's an extra couple million. What are you going to do with it? That's going to improve your life. Um, okay, that was a long rant. <laughs> Hopefully that was helpful. That was very helpful. Uh, thank you. A lot of things to think about and to ask, you know, ourselves. Um, Mindy, it looks like you have something that you wanted to say. <laughs> I was just going to say, yeah, I think yeah. the two of you should sit down and listen to this episode, listen to episode 157, where we talk about the money date and just, you don't have to decide today. Mm -hmm. You don't have to decide by the end of next year, just 
talking about it with your spouse, looking at the different options. If Scott can scare you away from real estate so easily, then it's not for you. Mm -hmm. If all that he says doesn't convince you that real estate isn't where you should be, maybe you should look into real estate. We've got this Mm -hmm. little website called (laughs) biggerpockets.com. And if you need to know anything about investing in real estate, I bet you can find it on our site. Um, And reach out to me if you're looking for a specific thing, because it can be a little bit difficult to find. We've been around for 17 years and we have so much information, but I can give you links to great articles about like how to buy a rental property, how to screen a tenant. It isn't just, oh, you want to rent my property? Great, let's go. There's a lot more involved in it, but it's not this like super daunting task. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, if Scott can, can talk you out of it really easily, if Scott can talk your husband out of it really easily, then start looking at the stock market. Look at, you know, different ways to it. There's so many ways to make money. There's so many ways to make money. Um, I, again, really think that peeking at your finances with a, you know, not peeking at it, really staring at your finances with a microscope will show you a lot of little holes. And I mean, you're still doing really great. You have a net worth of $640,000 at age 31. You're Mm going to be just fine. But if you want to grow it, if you want to, you know, really have all the options, be financially independent tomorrow, paying attention to where your money is going. And, you know, uh, was it episode 11 with Frugal Woods? She said, when we first discovered financial independence, we sat down and we cut out everything. Mm -hmm. And then the next month we're like, well, that was awful. We want to add some things back, but they added some things back. Mm. They didn't add everything back. They looked, she, I mean, her name's Frugal Woods. She looked for ways to do it cheaper. She discovered that she really likes yoga class that she had cut out. And if she could go in early and like sign people in, she got a free $20 yoga class. She's like, I'll do that instead. So she got yoga every week for free. And there's lots of ways to cut your expenses or, you know, and like Scott said too, you're making, what are we calling it? $75 an hour for the purposes of this conversation, is a $20 yoga class and an hour of your time worth it? Probably not. But maybe there's something that you're doing that's $150 an hour that you could cut out by spending a little bit of your time. You're in this really weird space where you have probably more money than time. So, and with another baby on the way, let me tell you for sure, you have more money than time. (laughs) But, you know, everything is, a give and take. And maybe you really enjoy checking people in for yoga. So you don't care that you're not making money on it. You know, it's, 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 it's a, it's a game. It really is. You said both you and your husband were athletes. This is a game and you guys are going to win together because it's you two against the world. It isn't you against him. It's the two of you against everything else. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you've got a lot of options. So sitting down and listening to this episode, sitting down and listening to the other episode and just starting to have a conversation. You know, you talk about it at dinner. The baby's not listening to you. The baby's just going to babble and, you know, keep stuffing food in her face and she'll be fine. And you guys can have the conversation. Hey, I was thinking about this. I was going to make a purchase. Um, You know, just being open and honest with the, the money. And if you're spending too much money on Amazon, get rid of Amazon Prime because I don't know what that is about that, you know, oh, it's free shipping. I'll buy it instantly. Oh, $5 shipping. I don't know. I'm going to have to think about it. Yeah. I mean, what's five bucks? Sure. Really? If you can if you can afford the thing, you can afford the $5 in shipping. But that was one way that I got rid of uh, spending so much as thinking about the shipping costs, 
which is dumb, but it's all a game. Yeah, I, I, again, I, I just kind of come all the way back to what do you want, right? And, and, well, that's and, where I was too. You know, I think, yeah, no, I, I, <laughs> I, I agree. But I, I just don't think you're, you're clear on that. And if you can say like, no, I, I want to be fully retired, traveling the world on a boat in three to five years. Okay, we have a completely different game plan um, that's needed to do that than to be sitting really nice in about 15, 20 years um, after working uh, full-time careers with all that kind of stuff. And one's going to get you richer than the, than the other with that. One's going to get you, you know, that, 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 a different mm-hmm. lifestyle um, with that. And you have to, you're going to have to move the money differently with that. I just think that you're in, you're in, if you like what you're doing, you're doing all the right things. And I don't have too much in the way that I change other than like we mentioned, getting control of the expenses and putting in place the, the, the blocking and tackling with that. Um, that said, if you like, if you like real estate, it definitely can be a great way to add a lot of, a lot of net worth and cash flow to your position outside of those retirement accounts that can give you freedom. You're just going to have to either rethink your really how you're fundamentally setting up your expense profile, because you need a lot of money to sustain this lifestyle with that, that you're going to get from the, the, the stock investing with this. Um, you need a lot of real estate in order to make that work. So just be prepared to go in and put a lot of chips in with that and, and have a, and, and spend a lot of time self-educating about that. Um, we certainly have a, uh, a place for you to do that if that's what you're interested in doing. So I won't discourage you uh, from, from going down that path if that's what you'd like. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, no, I think you guys nailed it as far as having more conversations about kind of our, our individual goals and then, you know, discussing how we can accomplish those individual goals together um, if they are different. Um, and then from there, determining our short-term goals to get to that longer-term goal. Um, and like you've said and mentioned is it could be, it's going to be different if it's a three to five year goal or if it's a 10 to 15 to 20, 20 year goal um, of what we want. So um, yeah, we have a lot of uh, conversations and work to be doing. Um, can we do this podcast again? <laughs> I, I think we have a, a lot to talk about here and, and, you know, again, as, as we've discussed, I think, um, now a couple of times the, the root issue, I think that's delaying strategy or, or delaying certainty on the strategy is you're just, you guys aren't, I think, sure what you want yet. You've got this big, exciting move from San Francisco to Texas, um, probably a huge upgrade in your, in your lifestyle, I'd imagine, um, with that move or additional spending money, more space, all that kind of stuff. Um, uh, a little one on the way life is good with all these kinds of things, but fundamentally, I don't think there's been a decision yet about how, um, you guys want to manage your money and what, what end state you're working towards. Um, as we kind of discussed a couple of times, like, well, that sounds pretty good to, to make a lot of money and, and to build a lot of assets outside of, uh, uh, outside of work in, um, as efficient way as possible. Um, while we were talking, I think, um, um, during a quick edit break, you mentioned that maybe, maybe entrepreneurship might be something that could be, or, or I was able, I, I think I brought up entrepreneurship. Maybe that would be one to, to potentially be worth exploring. Plan A of continuing the career track and both having these higher powered careers um, sounds pretty good. And, and you were happy with that. So I think that it's about kind of aligning around those different types of things um, or aligning around, hey, we're not sure yet. And we want to, we want to just build a flexible position so that we can decide in one, two, three or four years with that. Um, any of those I think are good outcomes, but I think what we'd like to do is invite you to come back on the show 
in a couple of months um, or whenever you're ready um, and you've kind of decided on that next step um, for you guys and, and that, that end goal. And we can probably revisit and then help build a, maybe a, 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 some, some sort of financial plan that could could help accelerate progress towards that goal. Yeah, absolutely. We would love that. Um, and I think having my husband join as well, where we can kind of then discuss, you know, what our conversations that we did have together and the outcome of those and, and what our goals are jointly, that would be great. I think that would be really awesome. awesome. Okay. Well, I'm looking forward to talking to you in a few months and uh, congratulations on the baby. Congratulations on a killer financial position. And we will talk to you very soon. Thank you very much. Sounds good. We're, we're looking forward to it. Okay. Bye-bye, Madison. Bye. Whew, Scott, that was Madison and her fantastic, amazing options. And, you know, I can hear somebody listening who may not be in the same, quite same position as Madison and her husband saying, wow, what a really big problem to have. But it kind of is a really big problem. She's not got any debt. We didn't talk about this, but she and her husband were both athletes in college, so they didn't have any debt They uh, from coming out of college. Uh, they've been living in the, the high cost of living area of San Francisco and have recently moved to Texas. So they've got money kind of, they've got housing figured out. They've, they're in a lower cost of living area. They've got this great income. And now it's where do I direct the money to go? And, you know, the, I don't want to say the wrong move, but a move, you know, moving this way means you can't also move this way. So if you move this way, maybe you don't realize some of the great returns that a different option can have. I really liked that you pointed out that real estate isn't just jump in with both feet. You should, I mean, you could, but that's not the right way to do it. The right way to do it is to spend 500 hours learning about it. And that's, you know, not as easy as throwing money into the stock market. So, you know, clarifying what their goals are, I think it was really, really spot on for you. Yeah, I, I think I think that real estate investing, in, investing in general is a decision about cost benefit analysis, right? And, and the cost benefit is a, is a time and money um, component. And these guys, because they're doing really well, have a high dollar per hour value of their time um, with this and have a winning formula um, in hand with what they're doing. Um, so again, I, I think it comes down to what are your long-term life goals? How do you back that in there? And I think this was a super valuable episode because, you know, f figuring out what you want is not like an easy task and it takes a lot of people, a, lot, a large amount of time and it can be really hard. Um, and, and, and this might, you know, sound, sound, you know, like a good problem with them, but because they're very talented um, and they have so many options, it sounds like available to them with the higher earning careers, both, both of them on strong tracks that that gives them too many options with that. And that's, that makes it even harder to figure out what you want because you have so <laughs> many good options in front of you. Um, and I think that there's hopefully a large number of people out there listening that it might be going through the same thing. What do you want? And if I'm on this track, what's going to happen with that? Um, and that brings me all the way to one philosophical point. If you're not sure what you want and you think you're going to have a ton of really good options in your life, then maybe one logical approach is in the short run, build a flexible financial position with that. Don't dump all the money into the retirement accounts necessarily, but begin diverting some to that after tax stuff. So you have a pile of money there ready for you. If you do decide you want to exploit an option of starting a business, joining a startup, joining a nonprofit, investing in real estate with that. So maybe, maybe flexibility um, is the right theme if you're not sure on your life, long-term life goals, and you want to spend a year 
figuring that out. Um, Because there's nothing wrong with that. What do you think about that, Mindy? I think that's a really great bit of advice, Scott. Yeah. Create a financial flexible position. You don't have to have all the answers today. But the same, you know, the, the same first two levers apply. Spend less than you earn. If you're earning a good income, this is going to be fairly easy. Just don't spend every dime you have. Earn more income. If you are earning lower income, look for ways to generate additional income, a side hustle, a second job, um, you know, ask for a raise. There's a lot of ways to earn more income, but you have to look for them. They're not just going to plop into your lap. Hey, do you want more money? Um, You have to figure that out. Take what you're Take the money that you are saving, the delta between your earned income and the spending income, or the spending, and invest that wisely. The index funds, low-cost index funds is a great place to invest when you're not sure what you want to do, unless you're thinking about investing in real estate, in which case, Scott, this is a topic for another decision, another, oh my goodness. Scott, this is a topic for another day, another show entirely, but you know, maybe the stock market isn't the best place to park your money if you're looking to buy a house in you know the next one to three years. Um, but there's there's a lot of options available. And just because you have a lot of great options doesn't mean that that makes the problem any less. Um, having a, a good problem to have is still a problem. You still have to solve it. It's just not as daunting a problem as, you know, oh, where am I going to, how am I going to pay off my debt? Yeah. I, I wish I, I wish I'd kind of come back to this line of thinking while we were still, while we still had Madison here, because I think, and I'll, I'll send her a note with, with this, but I think that's, that's kind of, I think how I would be thinking about it. If, if I'm truly unsure, I'm going to build a flexible after tax investment position with this, um, give myself that runway, um, from a financial perspective so that there, there's, there's, assets out there that I can tap that are not inside the 401k and, and I'm going to have to access through penalty or inside the home equity that I'm going to have to borrow against in order to, um, to, to, to access with that. There's stuff that I can, I can harvest right now um, uh, to go and pursue some of those great options that may materialize in the next couple of years. That's probably the right approach as a theme uh, in that situation, not to an extreme extent, but just to kind of tend towards that. Okay, Scott, this one went a little bit long today. Should we get out of here? Let's do it. From episode 260 of the Bigger Pockets Money podcast, he is Scott Trench, and I am Mindy Jensen saying, in a switch, witch. The market is changing, and finding your way can be tricky. Rates shift, headlines whirl, but your goal hasn't changed. You want financial freedom, and the best investors know it's not about timing the market, it's about time in the market. If you're ready to get into real estate investing or take it to the next level, finding an investor-friendly agent is your next step. With the BiggerPockets Agent Finder, you can find the right agent in minutes. Just head to biggerpockets.com deals 
enter a few details about what and where you want to buy, and boom, instantly matched with an investor-friendly agent who fits the bill. These local market experts can help you navigate the neighborhoods, analyze the numbers, and take action with confidence once and for all. This free resource is only available at biggerpockets.com deals. Get an agent, get the deal, and get closer to financial freedom at biggerpockets.com deals. That's biggerpockets.com deals to find your investor-friendly agent today. The content of this podcast is for informational purposes only. Past performance is not indicative of future results, and all host and participant opinions are their own. Investment in any asset, real estate included, involves risk. Use your best judgment and consult with qualified advisors before investing. Only risk capital you can afford to lose. Bigger Pockets LLC disclaims all liability for direct, indirect, consequential, or other damages arising from reliance upon information presented in this podcast.